Thank you for listening and subscribing to the Anchor Church podcast. It is our desire at the Anchor to provide a place for you to know God, find freedom, discover your God-given purpose, and ultimately make a difference in the world around you. Each week, the Anchor podcast features Sunday sermons. You can follow along in this podcast episode and read the sermon notes on our website by visiting theanchor.me. Now, let's get into the Word. Good morning, everyone. We're so grateful for the opportunity to be with you again today. For the next few minutes, I want to share with you about arming yourself with righteousness. To do so, I want to begin by reading a lengthy portion of Scripture that has really grabbed my heart over the past month. It is found in the book of Isaiah. Now, as we read this, I want you to listen to what the prophet Isaiah wrote about the day he was living in. It says in Isaiah chapter 59, starting in verse 1, it says, Listen, the Lord's arm is not too weak to save you, nor is His ear too deaf to hear you call. It's your sins that have cut you off from God. Because of your sins, He has turned away and will not listen anymore. Your hands are the hands of murderers, and your fingers are filthy with sin. Your lips are full of lies, and your mouth spews corruption." Says in verse 4, no one cares about being fair and honest. Says in verse 6, all of their activity is filled with sin and violence is their trademark. Their feet run to do evil and they rush to commit murder. They think only about sinning. Misery and destruction always follow them. They don't know where to find peace or what it means to be just and good. Goes on to say that they have mapped out crooked roads and no one who follows them knows a moment's peace. So there is no justice among us, and we know nothing about right living. We look for light, but find only darkness. We look for bright skies, but walk in gloom. We grope like the blind along a wall, feeling our way like people without eyes. Even at brightest noontime, we stumble as though it were dark. Among the living, we are all like dead. And then it says in verse 12, For our sins are piled up before God and testify against us. Yes, we know what sinners we are. We know we have rebelled and have denied the Lord. We have turned our backs on our God. We know how unfair and oppressive we have been, carefully planning our deceitful lies. And it says in verse 14, Our courts oppose the righteous, and justice is nowhere to be found. Truth stumbles in the streets, and honesty has been outlawed. Listen to this last verse. Yes, truth is gone, and anyone who renounces evil is attacked. Now, what is the prophet Isaiah describing here? He is describing a society or culture who has lost all sense of righteousness. Literally like this culture has lost the idea of what it means to uh, live from a righteous standard that pleases God. Now, I want you to listen to how God responded to the unrighteous culture that Isaiah was living in. It says this in verse 15. It says, Then the Lord saw it, and it displeased him. In other words, it was evil in his eyes. And it says that it displeased him that there was no justice. He saw that there was no man and wondered, meaning he was astonished, he was amazed, he was appalled that there was no intercessor. I want to pause there for a second. I want you to notice after God saw what was happening, uh, the first thing he did was to look for a man or a woman of prayer. But when he looked, the Bible says right there that he couldn't find anyone standing in the gap between him and man. So I want you to watch what he decided to do, because this is the whole reason why we're reading this portion of Scripture. 
Verse 17 says, For he, talking about God, put on righteousness as a breastplate and a helmet of salvation on his head. He put on the garments of vengeance for clothing and was clad or dressed or covered with zeal as a cloak. It goes on to say that he will repay evil, that his name will be feared, that his glory will rise like a sun, that he will raise up a standard, and ultimately that our Redeemer will come. Now, prophetically, we know the Redeemer here he is referring to is Jesus. But here's the point that I want to make. I personally think it's really wild that after God saw that there was no intercessor in the land, he personally chose to respond to the evil or we could say the unrighteousness he was witnessing by putting on his own armor, starting with the breastplate of righteousness so that he could personally intervene with his justice, with his order and his glory so that righteousness could be reestablished in that society and so that evil could be conquered. Grab a hold of this today, that God's way of defeating unrighteousness in that culture was by overwhelming it with His righteousness. So with all that in mind, I think most of us would agree that it wouldn't be a stretch to say that our society, that our culture resembles the time period the prophet Isaiah was writing about here. Meaning, in many ways, our society has lost its sense of righteousness. It's lost its sense of what it means to please God as well. So when we begin to apply this scripture to the day we're living in, the question that immediately comes to my mind is this is how do we think God desires to respond to the evil or the unrighteousness in our day? How is He desiring to thwart the schemes and the plans of the enemy? You you know, as we're sitting here reading this, do we expect God to put His armor on once again? You know, He certainly could do that if He chose to, but I'm personally and biblically convinced that God desires to do it another way. In fact, the Bible clearly tells us that God desires to dress us up in His armor, which consists in part of the same breastplate of righteousness He wore during that time. Now, the amazing part about this is, is His purpose remains the same. He still wants to reveal His justice. He still wants to reveal His order and His glory. That He still wants to reestablish His righteousness and conquer evil. That He still wants to defeat unrighteousness by His righteousness. That He still wants to reveal the Redeemer. He still wants to show us Jesus. The only difference is between then and now is this, is that now he desires to do all of this through us. But for this to take place, you and I need to arm ourselves in righteousness. We know all this is true because of what the Apostle Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 6, starting in verse 13. He said, therefore put on the full armor of God. I want you to remember this is God's armor, not ours. So that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist with the breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all of the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take on the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God and pray in the spirit on all occasions. 
All right, I want to shift gears here a bit. In my opinion, if we are going to properly understand what our armor and especially the breastplate of righteousness is designed to do in our lives, then we need to turn our attention back to the Roman soldier that Paul undoubtedly had in his mind when he was writing this. History and theologians alike tell us the breastplate was the most beautiful, shiniest, and most glamorous piece of weaponry that the Roman soldier would have possessed. In fact, it is said that when someone walked up to a Roman soldier, they didn't notice the loin belt or his shoes, his sword, or even his helmet. As important as all those are, the first thing that a person would have noticed was his breastplate. The sole reason for this could be because of the sheer size of it. But you see, the soldier's breastplate began at the top of his neck and it literally went all the way down to his knees. It was composed of two different uh, pieces of metal that were usually made of brass. One piece of metal went down the front and the other one went down his back and they were connected with uh, brass rings around the shoulder area. Now, more often than not, the larger sheet of metal that covered the front, covered the back of the soldier, were comprised of smaller, scale-like pieces of metal. If you can almost say that they were similar to the scales of a fish. Altogether, this was the heaviest piece of weaponry the Roman soldier would have had. And more than likely, it probably weighed somewhere between 40 to 75 pounds. But for our first point, I would like to insert a, a neat little fact here. Historians tell us that when the smaller scale-like pieces of metal that made up the breastplate, when they would begin to rub against each other over a period of time, that friction would actually begin to add a greater measure of luster, a greater measure of brilliance, a greater measure of glitter, sparkle, and shine to each piece of the breastplate, which means this. The more the Roman soldier wore and walked around in his breastplate, the more beautiful and spectacular it would have become. Now, with that said, can you imagine what an entire army of Roman soldiers would have looked like to their enemy? Just imagine with me that they're standing there with confidence. They're standing in rank and they're prepared for battle, maybe even on a hillside or in the valley. And as the sun comes through the clouds, it actually reflects off of their breastplate. You know, to me, when I get a middle image of that, I just think, man, A, that was probably blinding and B, it was probably super intimidating. Now, Maybe you're sitting here wondering, what in the world does this have to do with us? Like, why is this so important? I'm glad you asked. So often our breastplate of righteousness is viewed as a defensive piece of our armor, which it is. But it can also be used as an offensive weapon to assist us against the plans of the enemy. You see, when we live our lives according to the righteous standard we have been called to walk in, we are not only dressed in righteousness, but we are actually dressed in the Lord Jesus Christ Himself because He is the righteous one. Therefore, the more we submit our lives to His standard, to His ways, and to His heart, just like the Roman soldier's armor, the more luster of God's glory will begin to reflect and radiate from our lives. This will not only be noticed by the enemy, but guess what, gang? It will also be noticed by every single person we come into contact with. This truth serves as a great reminder that when people see us, the first thing that they will see or the first thing that they will notice about us isn't the truth or the revelation that we have in our heart. That guess what? It won't even be the peace that resides on the inside of us. And it won't even be the declarations of faith that we hold on to or our ability to wield the word of God or even our depth that we have in our prayer lives. 
Rather, the first thing that people will notice about us is this. They will notice our level of righteousness that we walk in. In all honesty, gang, that's how people will know that there's something different about us. You know, that's how they'll begin to thirst for the living water who is Jesus that lives inside of us. And ultimately, that's how righteousness becomes an effective weapon or we even say an offensive weapon against our enemy. Because through our lives, God's glory, don't miss this, through our lives, God's glory will begin to shine through the darkness. That's why Jesus told us this in Matthew chapter 5, verse 16. He said, your lives light up the world. Let others see your light from a distance. For how can you hide a city that stands on a hilltop? I want you to know today that righteousness in your life, if you're really righteous, it cannot be hidden. And then it says in verse 15, and who would light a lamp and then hide it in an obscure place? Instead, it's a place where everyone in the house can benefit from his light. So don't hide your light, or we could add, so don't hide your righteousness. Let it shine brightly before others so that the commendable things you do will shine as light upon them. Who is them? It's upon those who live in darkness. And then it goes on to say, and then they will give their praise to your father in heaven. Or we could insert that, that they will see their need for your father, my father, who is in heaven. So as you can see, once again, God's response to the unrighteousness, not only in Isaiah's day, but in our day, is to shine his righteousness through our lives. So the first purpose of the breastplate of righteousness is so that, number one, we can reflect his righteousness. The second purpose of the breastplate of righteousness that I want us to see today is this, is so that our hearts can be protected. You know, this kind of goes without saying, but a, a person who isn't engaged in a battle doesn't really need to wear armor. But here's the Holy Spirit reminding each one of us that we are indeed engaged in a spiritual battle. And part of the reason we have been given the breastplate of righteousness is so that we can be protected as we stand against the attacks of the enemy. So in short, we have been given this piece of armor so that we can remain righteous in an unrighteous world. After all, God knows the enemy doesn't play fair, and God knows that uh, the enemy will do anything he can to rob us of our right standing with God. And if he can't rob us of our place in God, then guess what he'll do? Then he'll do his absolute best to rob us of our righteous thinking. How does he try to accomplish this? By sowing thoughts of condemnation in our minds, by sowing thoughts of guilt, shame, and regret into our minds, by literally tempting us to constantly focus on our past mistakes, failures, and shortcomings. We all have them, right? If he can successfully convince us of these things, if we begin to uh, over-focus on these things, we will inadvertently begin to view ourselves as some little, good-for-nothing, unimportant, defeated Christian. In other words, his goal is to defeat us mentally and emotionally, because if he can succeed there, then he will succeed in taking us out of the fight even before it begins. This is why it's so important that we know what the Bible says. Remember last week of why we need to uh, gird our loins up with the belt of truth so that we can not only rebuke the enemy and rebuke his lies, but so that we can also see ourselves through the finished work of the cross, which declares in spite of our past mistakes, in spite of our past failures and shortcomings, that we are indeed righteous through the blood of Jesus. 
This simple yet powerful truth allows us to walk in a righteous attitude that produces in us confidence, boldness, authority, and I would dare to say even an attitude that understands victory and not defeat. If I could just throw a scripture in here at this moment, remember what 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 21 says. It says this, it says that we are, we are, not going to be, not might be, but we are currently the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So the simple point I'm trying to make here is this, is one of my hopes for today is that we will begin to see that righteousness is more than just a moral standard that we're trying to live by, but is actually a mindset that God uses to protect our hearts so that we will not be defeated by the enemy and so that we can be successful in the fight. The third purpose of the breastplate of righteousness that I want us to see today is this, is he gives us the breastplate of righteousness so that we can be positioned for warfare. You know, if we realize it or not, every piece of our armor, including the breastplate of righteousness, is designed to put us in an offensive position to pray. Get that, to pray. In my experience, when we walk in an unrighteous mindset that's full of condemnation and guilt and shame, we will not pray with confidence. In fact, it's true that a defeated Christian always prays defeated prayers. But on the other hand, when we know that we have been made righteous in His sight, when we know that we have been given a breastplate of righteousness in the same way that that Roman soldier would have entered into a conflict, entered into a war or battle with great confidence, guess what? We too can enter before God's presence, before His very throne in prayer and intercession with great confidence. We could even add here this, that bold Christians pray bold prayers. See, this is why the book of James tells us in James chapter 5, verse 16, it says, the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great, not some, not little, but great power and produces wonderful results. Not small results, but wonderful results. So before we close today, I simply want to challenge all of us who have been made righteous with this. What are some bold prayers that we need to be praying over our families, over our churches, over our communities, over our region, over our state, and yes, even over our nation in this season? Please hear me, because we have been armed in righteousness. We can have great confidence that God will not only hear us, but He will also move with His justice, with His order, and with His glory to once again reestablish His righteousness in this nation. Come on, guys, let it not be said about our day that God looked across the Midcoast region, that God looked across the state of Maine, that He looked across America or whatever state or whatever nation you're viewing from today. Let it not be said that God looked across that region or that area and He couldn't find someone who is willing to stand in the gap and intercede on the people's behalf. In closing, maybe you are listening to this today and you're wondering, how can I be made righteous before God? I want you to know today, the good news is, is that's exactly why Jesus came. I want you to know that He came out of obedience to His Father to lay down His life on a cross as a perfect sacrifice for our sins so that we, by faith in Him, might have the opportunity to exchange our unrighteousness for His righteousness. So if that's you today, I simply want to encourage you to put your faith and your trust, your very life into the hands of God. Ask Him to save you now. Ask Him to fill you with His righteousness and to fill you with His Spirit. And lastly, I just encourage you to commit your life to follow His ways. Let's pray and we'll be done. 
Father, we thank you for today. Lord, we thank you that uh, as your people, God, that you've given us armor. And Lord, that armor is not to sit on the sideline with fear and trembling, but God is to actively engage into the fight. And so, Lord, I simply pray for your people today that confidence and boldness and authority, God, would fill their hearts, God, as they stand and stand firm and stand strong with the breastplate of righteousness. And God, for those that are sitting there today that maybe say that, that they don't know you, that they've never encountered you, Lord, I'm simply asking, God, that you would meet them exactly where they're at. Father, thank you that that you provide a way for us to be forgiven of our sins, that you provide a way for us to have our lives changed, God, by your love and your mercy and your grace. And God, I just come in agreement with them now, God, simply that we would say, God, please save us, forgive us of our sins. Please come be the Lord and Savior of our lives. And we simply ask God today that you would uh, just receive our lives, Lord. And we just say, God, we'll follow you all the days of our life. Jesus, thank you for your amazing love. It's your name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for being with us again today for another Anchor at Home. God bless you. We'll see you again soon. Thank you for joining us today. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram for encouragement in your walk with God and to receive updates on events happening at The Anchor. Have a great week and God bless.